Let us begin. That's our new intro, then officially. <laughs> Let us begin, and then we're gonna like spend the next like fifteen minutes dicking around, just yeah. like chatting. So we're not we actually do. gonna begin. Yeah, yeah. Let no, us this... begin to begin at some point. Yeah, <laughs> we shall begin eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Stay posted. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, what? Like, fuck. I'm, my tongue just like ran away. And I know. Now I don't know how to speak. But um, yeah. <laughs> so we have fears. We do this week. We're scared. I'm uh, always scared. Stuff. Yeah, Andrea, you go first because yours is interesting. Well, mine is too. I'm selling myself <laughs> short. I always sell myself so short. Okay, you guys love me and you think I'm interesting. Just like remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, <laughs> I'm afraid I'm never gonna get a break at work again. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. Yeah. So. One of the other women who does my position, there's supposed to be three teams, and each yeah. team has, like, one person who does one thing and another person who does another thing. Right. One of the women who does my thing quit. So now I have to do all of her work. All the things. All, I have to do all of the things. Every last thing. All, yeah. every thing. They start, like, hiring you to do janitorial work after <laughs> your shift. Like, and we need like, you for more stuff. Yeah, and could you landscape at the... <laughs> yeah. Call the president also. And we need you to quickly perform a pen- <laughs> appendectomy. I'll be like, I'm not a janitor or a surgeon. And well, I mean, that's that's kind of a cool specialty if you think about it. I'm a janitorial surgeon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that would be kind of sweet. Although, yeah. really, I would not really want to have surgery from someone who just cleaned a toilet. Because oh, I know they wash their hands, fine. but I'm just kind of like, but what if? What if? I mean... I mean, it's just I'm a getting... quick squirt of hand sanitizer after. And... Yeah. <laughs> There's like, I put soap on my hands for two seconds. It's fine. I'm, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> well, they do scrub very thoroughly. I know. I know. And doctors touch grosser things when they're like in the ER. and. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. They're oh, touching geez. other people's blood. And, and then shit. if they go into surgery, then they, yeah. So this is why they have the scrub or the. The yellow shit. The scrubbing and the, yeah, and the gloves. Oh, man. I kind of like being prepped for surgery, right? Like, I've had, like, nine surgeries, and it's actually kind of, like, like, I'm always nervous, obviously, because that's a very human instinctual response yeah. to, being to being about being to cut be open. cut open. Seems yeah, and I've been awake right. for a lot of them, right? Like, they just did Twilight and yeah. um, sedation. And <laughs> oh. it's kind of fun, because I'll be laying there, and it's fucking freezing cold in these rooms always. Yeah. And... You know, there's a little hole on the bottom of the seat to, like, catch some, like, running blood and whatever else and oh, to put yeah. your bum in the right place. And yeah. 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 So that's always fun. So that's not what I'm afraid of. That's, like, the least thing I'm afraid okay, of. Okay. Yeah. Because that sounds just relaxing. Yeah. I'm used to that. I'm afraid of auditions. They're scary. Auditions are because they're judgy. Well. By nature. Well, I mean. It has to be judgy. Well, I mean, by nature, yeah, they do have to make a judgment call at some point. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's not even that. It's just kind of like, because uh, this is a long distance one, right? Like, I record uh, my audition clips here, and then I sent them off, so luckily I don't have to stand in front of a panel of people watching me. Oh, and that's I'm like, less oh, thank God. scary, yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I'm always, it's still nerve-wracking. Then, then I get my hopes up, and I'm like, uh-oh, hope is not a good thing to have sometimes. <laughs> Um, then don't get your hopes up. Just be like, I don't think it's ever going to happen ever for me. Well, that's just sad, though. But then it, when it happens, you'll be so happy if you're not y- dead. 
I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't want to, like, drive myself into, like, a misery spiral. I think there's a happy medium. Yeah. I don't expect to get these roles, but I will be stoked if I do. Yeah. Okay, good. That's yeah. a good medium. That's a good balance, I think. I think I did well with that. Yeah. You see it? Middle path. It's like episode 49. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, if this is episode 50, we should be celebrating. Yeah, no, we'll have to celebrate next time. Are you guys excited? It'll you should send us suggestions. Our, like, one-year anniversary. Although, well, August 16th. Wait, no, it is one year. Yeah, one whole Whoops, year. Whoops, I don't understand the numbers. <laughs> uh, August 16th is our one-year anniversary with this podcast. Cool. Shit. It still feels new. It does. I know. <laughs> it never gets easy. No, just kidding, guys. It does. But, um, like, <laughs> yeah, if you listen to, like, our first episodes, which you shouldn't, um, and you listen to these yeah, ones, you can tell there's, like, a huge difference. We're an inspiration story. Yeah. Uh, yes. Let us be your inspo Please porn. listen backward, though. Yeah, listen backward. Do it. Uh, you'll get the idea of the inspiration story without hating us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we yeah. managed to slowly become slightly less annoying. See, if you think we're annoying now, then you can just imagine <laughs> episode one. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's your weekly fear, audience members. <laughs> is like, oh, they're going to be annoying again this week, but I have to listen. It's like watching a train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An awkward podcast crashing into a building. <laughs> that should be our new title. Just Awkward Podcast Siblings. Yeah, the awkward yeah. siblings that podcast. Yeah, because that's an awkward title. Like, it's long. And yeah, it's long and, and awkward. It yeah. sounds terrible. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> that's our new identity. So, um, I got a request, but Andrea's going to go first, because mm-hmm. last time I did uh, Marie Laveau, and we talked about voodoo. And this time, Andrea has another popular... Uh, new Orleans lady. Yeah. Also, who was, like, a character in AHS inspired off a real lady. And she's a lot scarier. I'm not going to lie. She sounds uh, yeah, terrifying. She's different. Her name yeah. is Madame Lalaurie. Yeah. Lalaurie. Lalaurie. But I'm not going to speak in a French accent. The whole, whole time. time. Yeah. Uh, the name's actually hard to say. I'm, I suck with R's in French. Yeah. Uh, I don't, but I was forced into French school at the age of four, so... <laughs> so you're, you're done with all the French in this world. Yeah. yeah. So she was born Marie Delphine McCarty what? in 1775. Okay. And uh, so she was brought up when, like, in, in the tradition of slavery, when it was acceptable to use force to discipline this, their slaves. Wasn't that always acceptable during slavery? Like, no one would have, like, gotten on your case if you did that, because that, it's a whole violent institution. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I would think so. <laughs> right? Like, was there a time when it wasn't acceptable to dehumanize further people you dehumanized? I think maybe, like, the degree to which you could oh uh, changed through the years. Yeah, must be. But, Yikes. Yeah. Okay, so she grew up in a nasty era. Yeah. Um. Some say that her mother or father was murdered by a slave. So, she, so like, all these future acts that she did were out of vengeance. Oh, Okay, but I mean, if that was true, that that, that person would have absolutely been executed. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and But that didn't happen. There was a link between, like, her mother and father weren't murdered. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, but there is a link between her family and the 1811 slave revolt, and one of her uncles was murdered by his own slaves in 1771. Right. But it's not known how much that would affect her, because obviously... 
Uh, the, uncle could have been boring. Maybe she didn't like him that much. But she was negative four years old when he died. Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, okay. So it probably didn't affect her a whole lot. No. So, like, I mean, maybe she was really family-oriented and... You know what? I suspect people who were writing these things are just kind of like, let's make excuses for the violent woman who killed slaves. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, like, um, no, she's probably just evil. Yeah, so they just found this link because I think they were looking more into, like, they were looking into her mother or father being murdered and right. they just found these links, but, it, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, her first marriage was at age 14 to Ooh. a Spaniard, Lopez y Angula. Hmm. Um, he, she was left a widow from him. Right. He died. Uh, and they had a child Yikes. named Marie, Marie Delphine Francisca Borgia. Borgia, maybe? Yeah, Borgia. Thanks, Andrea. <laughs> I refuse to do the accents. Well, it's not an accent, it's just like, Borja. you know how you say like jalapeno instead of halap- like jalapeno? Francis- Francisca Borgia. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> uh, she was known, known as Borquita. Okay. Yeah, don't do the accent, but you, you can still say Borquita. <laughs> yeah. Um... Age 20, she married Jean-Paul Blanc, who is a Frenchman and a slave trader who associated with this pirate guy named Jean Lafitte. Jean Lafitte. He he associated with a pirate and a slave trader? So he's pretty much like the worst person ever. Okay. Not a good person. They lived in a two-story brick townhouse on Royal Street near Conti. They had a plantation on the banks of the Mississippi River, and they had 26 slaves. Ew. And she had three daughters and a son with Blanc. Ugh. Blanc died in 1815, and three years later, following his late wishes, she emancipated their slave Jean-Louis. Huh. Yeah. So so you got really attached to that one guy and was like, you can let this one dude go. Yeah. The other 25 stay because I'm an asshole. (laughs) Well, she also had, (laughs) she also um, emancipated several more slaves in the future. Huh. Okay. Well, that's good. And at this point, she was very wealthy due to inheritances from her parents and late husbands. Hmm. And she was raising five children alone. So I guess it's good that she was wealthy. Yeah. Those children would have been kind of fucked. Yeah. So there was this guy. Oh, boy. There is this boy. Oh. His name was Louis Lalaurie. Oh, And wow. he studied medicine at the Sorbonne in Paris. And... That's a turn on. Super hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and he traveled to New Orleans at the age of 22 to seek his fortune. So he arrived in New Orleans at, in 1825, and he sent a letter to the editor of The Courier, which is the newspaper, yeah. asking him to announce that, Quote, a French physician has just arrived in this city who is acquainted with the means, lately discovered in France, of destroying hunches. What? Hunches? I think what it's supposed to mean is like, like hunched over back? he can prove, oh, maybe. Oh, maybe that's what it is. I mean, I'm thinking about that, but I, at that first when you read it, I was like, he can get rid of like anyone ever having a hunch about something. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, <laughs> like I thought maybe it was like a weird roundabout way of saying he can solve cases that everybody else can only have a hunch about. Oh, okay. But you know what? I think the hunch thing makes more sense. Like the hunchback thing. I like the idea of him just being like, if you ever have a hunch about something, that I'll is a terminal illness. fix it. Yeah, I'll <laughs> just cure your hunches right away. Um, yeah, and then there was also a more sensational rumor that he was testing Haitian-style zombie drugs to increase obedience in slaves. 
bad. So it's not known how Lallory and Delphine met, but one theory is that she consulted him about her daughter's crooked back, and that's how they met. Well, then it was hundred. Okay, yeah. Like yes, it was you're right. Back. You're right. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> Andrea. What was I thinking when I was doing this? It's okay. You haven't brushed up on your eighteen hundreds, seventeen hundreds lingo. No, I mean now we don't just call them hunches. No, that would be rude. I mean, I think hunchback <laughs> is also not what it's called. But I don't no, know the medical not. term. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in eighteen twenty six, they were a couple, and Delphine was pregnant at the age of thirty eight. 38. That's okay. ancient for that time. For that time, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. guess for that time. Um, she gave birth to a son named Jean-Louis the following year, and five months later, they got married. Happily mm. ever after-ish. Yeah, I'm sure that this went perfectly well. Really, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lallery brought $2,000 to the marriage, and Delphine was worth more than $66,000. And I don't know what that is today's money, but it's lots. Yeah. <laughs> It was a lot back then, yeah. Yeah. Their marriage deteriorated quickly. Really? Madame fell deeper into mad- madness is what they said. Oh, wow. Ah, uh, yeah. Sometimes that can be a real bummer in a relationship when, you, when, when like, you f- one of you falls into deep madness. When one of you goes madness. insane. Yeah. Well, I just think of it as, like, falling into madness, just how oh, they wrote it. when you it's actually just fall. Yeah, you trip and then suddenly you're... And you're like, I can't get her out of the madness hole. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the madness hole. <laughs> my my favorite of holes. This hole was made for me. <laughs> All right. Um, so in 1831, they purchased the lots that would become the Lallery Mansion. Yay. Uh-oh. Uh, they lived there with Delphine's four Blanc children. <laughs> oh, Her children okay. from Blanc. But petitioned the court the following year for a separation. Uh, she was claiming that he was beating her. That wouldn't be shocking. No. And it's impossible to know if this is true or if Dr. Lallery granted her wishes as a way of distancing himself from the behavior that was soon to be made public, which was the slave torture. Right. So he might have just not wanted to be around for that. Yeah. Yeah. He he probably could have done something about it, Although he probably should have alerted somebody. Yeah. He could have maybe said something. Yeah. (laughs) The slaves could have used that. Just be like, I wasn't here. I wasn't here. I'm not here. Yeah. So there were gossipy letters that were found that were written by their neighbor... Jean Bowes to a friend in France and they stated quote they do not have a happy household they fight often separate and then return to each other which would make one believe that someday they will abandon each other completely oh seems all right I mean presumptuous but all right yeah it is presumptuous but okay whatever they owned at least 54 slaves between 1816 and 1834 and 1834 is when she fled New Orleans after everything was discovered Right. She wasn't accused of mistreating any of her slaves until her marriage to Lallery. Right. Right. So she had slaves her whole life, but she wasn't, it didn't seem like she did anything bad until. Or at least nothing that was publicized. Yeah. In 1828, rumors were flying in the neighborhood, and Bose mentioned abuses in another letter to a friend, describing, quote, barbarous, barbarous? Barbarous, yeah. Barbarous treatment of her slaves, and that. Quote, she had them incarcerated, letting them be given only the bare necessities. This, Jean Bowes also wrote that the case with, like, the slaves and everything being murdered and tortured actually came before a criminal court, but was absolved, but uh, Lallery was, or Delphine was absolved. Right, of course she was. Because no one back then fucking gave a shit. Yeah. They were awful. Some say her slaves looked singularly haggard and wretched, and she would beat her daughters if they tried to give them food. What? 
what the fuck is wrong with her? Like, <laughs> isn't she's this, a psycho. Is owning people not enough for this? Like, this fucking I know. Woman? Yeah, you can't have your freedom or food. Yeah. Um, wow. On April tenth, eighteen thirty-four, a fire broke out at the Lallery Mansion. It's reported to have started in the kitchen, which had slave quarters above it. Since neighbors were aware of the slaves chained there, they expressed their concern to this guy named Judge Kanong, who lived across the street. Yeah. Uh, The judge politely asked Dr. Lallery to have the slaves move to a safer place, but was rudely told to mind his own business. Wow. So then the judge gave the orders to break down the doors of the slave quarters, and that's when they discovered the chained, starved, and beaten slaves. And, like, their condition over the years has been embellished and exaggerated, but it's important to note that newspaper accounts following the incident contain eyewitness accounts of their exact condition. Yeah, so this is, like, for certain. Yeah, so the courier, the newspaper, said, quote, appalling sight, their bodies covered with scars and loaded with chains. And then the B, which is another newspaper, said, Quote, seven slaves, more or less horribly mutilated, suspended by the neck with their limbs stretched and torn from one extremity to the other. Oh, my God. Editors. Yeah. Editors of both of these papers went to where the slaves were brought to see for themselves. And the courier also described a man with a hole in his head that was filled with worms. Oh, my God. That poor guy. I know. Neighbors and citizens were upset enough to ransack the house and destroy everything they could. Good. And Madame was believed to have skipped town with the help of her coachman, Bastion, after or before the mob arrived and fled first to Mobile, then to New York, and then to Paris. And there was a sighting of her by the poet William Cullen Bryant that puts her on a ship named the Poland, sailing from New York to Le Havre in June of 1834. Some think that she may be returned to New Orleans secretly, um, but it's more likely that she lived out the rest of her life in Paris. Right. Letters from children, like her children, expressed that uh, they never fully realized the implications of what had taken place. Right. And that uh, Delphine seemed to struggle with some form of bipolar disorder or other mental illness. Right. Okay. Most people with bipolar disorder don't torture others. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's fine that if she, like, if she suffered from that, okay, that's one thing. But she also... Tortured... And murdered people, yeah. (laughs) Paris records show that she died at home on December 7th, 1849, and then she was exhumed January 7th, 1851, and was brought to New Orleans, and she was maybe buried in St. Louis Cemetery Number 1. Right. So, what happened? What did it happen? Like, what did happen indeed? So, some of these would be rumors. Um, Some of these are true, but it seems like, I don't know, yeah, uh, well, you can just judge for yourself. Yeah, so it's not sure which one yeah. happened and which ones were, like, the... Uh, Made up after. The exaggerations, yeah. yeah. Okay. So one very sensational story says that one, one woman had her skin peeled in a spiral around her body and her arms amputated so that she resembled a caterpillar. What the fuck? And then there's another woman with all her bones broken and reset at different Ugh. angles so that she looked like a crab. Oh, my God. Which is horrible. These are... This is like some saw shit. Yeah. What I know. the fuck? Or like the human centipede. centipede. Oh my god, yeah. This like oh, body horror. Gross. Oh my yeah. god. I hope that that one's not true. At least seven slaves were beaten, bruised, and bloodied to within an inch of their lives and had their eyes gouged out, 
their skin flayed, and their mouths filled with excrement and sewn shut. Oh, I've heard that one before, from, yeah. uh, like regarding La Loi. I know, I heard yeah. that too. So that one might not be. One like, woman wrong. was wrapped in human intestines and they were like knotted around her oh. middle. Oh, God. There were people with holes in their skulls and with wooden spoons that were near them that were used to stir their brains. Oh. Yeah. What? Ugh. There Ugh. were dead bodies in the attic, too. Like, so these ones that I all said to you before were still alive. Oh, no. Um, the de- There were dead bodies in the attic, though, and their corpses were mutilated beyond recognition. Organs were not all intact or even inside the bodies anymore. Oh, no. Oh, my God. And some say there was a handful of these bodies, and some, but others say that there were over 100. Ugh. So... So it wouldn't have been over 100 because she only had, like, the 54 yeah. slaves at this time. Well, that's what but I'm it could thinking. have been, like, a bunch of them. But yeah. it's 54 that they knew about. And, right. and then – because you could have undocumented could have... ones, right? They Yikes. She had a 70-year-old cook that was chained to the stove and starving. Oh. And apparently that, that cook is the one that started the fire because she was trying to commit suicide. Well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I would want to as well. Um, there were rumors that she was keeping secret slaves for her doctor husband to practice Haitian voodoo medicine on. Oh, no. And one report states that a man was so scared of punishment once that he threw himself out of a third-story window, choosing to die rather than be subjected to her torture. Oh, my God. And then that window was cemented shut, and it's still visible today. Oh, so you can see the cemented shut window. Yeah. Oh, so that one could be Like, true. if you go now, Yeah. There is a report of a 12-year-old slave girl named Leah who was brushing Madame Lallery's hair and pulled too hard, and then Madame (sighs) flew into a rage and whipped her, and the girl climbed out onto the roof and leapt to her death. Oh, my God. So they were all thinking that, like, it was better to die than to, like, go through whatever she would do. Yeah. Okay. And if all this stuff is true, then they were correct. Yeah. 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 I would Um, rather not go through any of those other things. Yeah. Uh, Witnesses saw Madame burying... Leah's corpse, and oh. police were forced to fine her $300 and make her sell nine of her slaves, but then she looked the other way when she managed to get, like, friends and family to help her get those exact same slaves back. Yeah, so, like, cops looked the other way when yeah. she just... Yeah, well, that makes sense, because back in the day, like, no one gave a shit. Nobody cared. They had to do something, like, like for legalities, but they didn't care. Disgusting. Uh, one woman was wearing an iron collar. Oh. Another old woman had a very deep wound on her head and was too weak to walk. She And then one was emaciated, and she so, showed signs of being flayed with a whip and being bound in restrictive postures. And they all apparently wore spiked iron collars, which kept their heads in static positions. Which I, I believe I heard of that one, too. Yeah. Oh. So up there they found the heads of corpses organs strewn about limbs strewn about oh wow uh they found slaves pinned to tables or cramped in small cages oh my god and they found live bodies with their eyes gouged out their fingernails torn out ears hanging by shreds of skin and mouths filled with animal shit and sewn shut of course that's so fucking evil though like all of that like the that they're still alive i know Oh, my God. And what was wrong with this fucking woman? Most of them, their joints were skinned and festering. Ugh. And they would have holes in buttocks where their flesh had been sliced away. Like, it was, like she sliced? They took, she took chunks out of them. What the fuck? Yeah, that's how it ends, too. So <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we have your story because that was not Yeah, I mean, mine's not as, like, fun. 
No, no. Like mine, mine is a pretty horrific, um, but it's not a case. Mm-hmm. So these things, you know, they could be real depending on your spirituality or they might not be. Because we got a request. We did. Um, Thank you, Hex, for the request. We appreciate it. <laughs> and the request was to do Japanese yokai. And I believe I'd actually done a few before. Mm-hmm. But I found some more. Some different ones? There's like over a hundred. Yeah. Right? Uh, not just here. I won't make you go through that, guys. But like I picked <laughs> my favorites. Okay. There's... They're really good. Oh all my right. gosh. I'm Let's so stoked. It. Yes, all right. So here are some of my favorite Ren's faves of Japanese <laughs> yokai. Yay. Yay. All right. So the first one, Teke Teke, is like actually more of an urban legend, like a famous Japanese urban legend. Mm-hmm. Oh, and for people who don't know, Japanese yokai, that's like uh, demons or spirits that represent different things. And they can they can kind of like come in different forms. So like, yeah. Just so okay. you guys know. So this is more of an urban legend. Teke Teke is the ghost of a young woman, often portrayed as a schoolgirl, who fell on a railway line and was cut in half by an oncoming train. Oh my god. Yep. Now as an onryo, which is like the word for vengeful spirit, she travels on either her hands or elbows, dragging her upper torso, making a scratching or teke teke sound. Like that's what it would be uh. symbolized as, yeah, in Japanese, right? So that's where she gets her name. If she encounters anyone at night and the victim is not fast enough, she will slice them in half at the torso, mimicking her own violent death. So here's like an instance. Once, as a young schoolboy was walking home at midnight, he spotted a beautiful young girl looking out a window, resting on her elbows on the windowsill. They exchanged smiles at each other for a moment, and the boy wondered what a girl was doing in an all-boys school. But before he could wonder more about the girl, she jumped down from the window and revealed that her lower half was missing. The boy was understandably frightened, and he stood frozen on the sidewalk, and before he could run, the girl caught him and killed him. His body was later found with his lower half missing. And there's, like, another very similar urban legend concerning another girl named, uh, named Reiko Kashima, who died on the train tracks and lost her legs, right? Mm-hmm. So Kashima Reiko appears to be an abbreviation of Kamen Shinin Ma, which meaning, like, that means translated mask, dead person, demon. So Kashima haunts bathroom stalls and will ask the occupant where her legs are. Um, If the occupant answers incorrectly, she will rip their legs off. To be saved, they must tell her that her legs are at the Meishin Railway and answer Kashima Reiko if she asks them who told them this. Sometimes she'll ask people what her name is, which is a trick question. Answering Kashima Reiko will, will result in her attacking them and ripping their legs off. The correct answer is Mask Death Demon from the meaning of her name. Okay. Yeah. So that was hmm. more of an urban legend. But yeah, so this one I thought was interesting. I really like this next one. Um, Jimenju. Yep. So okay. the human-faced tree. I like it yep. already. Right? It, it's actually kind of cute sounding, but also... Ugh. So <laughs> this tree is found in mountain valleys in China and Japan. The fruit of the tree looks like a human head. It doesn't... Okay. Yeah. Weird, hey? It doesn't speak exactly, but it is constantly laughing. No. Nope. Yeah. No. Right? Okay, and when I was looking this up, some of the, like, one of the researchers who's writing about this, who's from Japan, was talking about it, was like, that must be such a beautiful sight to see. And I was like, are you okay? That doesn't sound beautiful at all. No, that sounds terrifying to me. Maybe that's, like, a cultural gap there, but I would be terrified. I was like, this 
fruit is laughing at me and also it has a face. So it is said that if the fruit laughs too exuberantly, it will fall from the tree, laughing on its way down. The fruit of the tree is named the jinmenshi, meaning human-faced child. They ripen in the fall, and if you eat them, they apparently have a sweet and sour taste. I don't, why would you eat one? It is said that the yeah. gene, right? Do you want one, Andrea? No, I don't want to eat the face. face. <laughs> I like the idea of someone walking up to this. They're like, um, like it's it'll laughing do. Laughing thing. I'll eat it alive. Yeah. Like, ugh, no. Like, I'll, I'll just, I'll just deal. But yeah, so it has a sweet and sour taste. It is said that the gene menju seed also has a human face, ears, uh, eyes, nose, and mouth included. Mm. Some say it's possible that the trees were all eaten long ago, and that is why people in Japan and China don't often see them today. So it was phrased that way often. keep their hands off of these laughing fruits. Right? How delicious yeah. could this possibly be that you'd be, like, willing to, like, bite into what looks like an ear? Sounds like a creepy fruit. Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about that. But apparently they're harmless. So, yeah. So the next one is uh, not harmless. Okay. It's called the Gasha Dokuro. The Gasha Dokuro are spirits that take the form of giant skeletons who are generally described as being 15 times taller than an average person. They are said to be created from the amassed bones of people who died of starvation or in battle without being buried. So these yokai roam around after midnight, grabbing lone travelers and biting off their heads to drink their spraying blood. Or they'll sneak up and crush their victims to death in their grotesque skeletal hands. Yeah. Their giant ass hands. Yep, so there is a way to know when they're about to approach, though, as, like, you'll hear the sound of loud ringing in your ears and the sounds of their bones and teeth clattering together with a loud gachi gachi sound, which is <laughs> what their name derives from, right? So famous legends of the Gasha Dokuro date back approximately a thousand years. Like, this is a common one. Oh, okay. Yep. So I'm kind of, like, thinking about that. So here's one that a lot of people might feel like they've heard of. Uh, Futakuchi Ona. A Futakuchi Ona, meaning two-mouthed woman, is a type of yokai characterized by her two mouths. A normal mouth located on her face and a second one on the back of the head beneath her hair. Ew. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> there, the woman's skull splits apart, forming lips, teeth, and a tongue, creating an entirely functional second mouth. No. I know, it's a little alarming. In Japanese uh, mythology, spirituality, and folklore, the Futakuchi Ona belongs to the same class of stories as the Rokurokubi, which means long-necked woman, Kuchisaki Ona, which means slit-mouthed woman, and this one a lot of people know about that one, and uh, the Yama-Uba, who is seemingly like a kind old woman and associated with a terrifying appearance and secretive cannibalism. Oh, good. So she seems kind, then she'll eat you. So all of those are women who are afflicted with a curse or a supernatural disease that transforms them into yokai, right? The supernatural nature of the women in these stories is usually concealed until the last minute when the true self is revealed. So you, you basically don't know when you've run across one. The um, twist at the end. Yeah, you don't, you wouldn't know. Yeah, right? no, so you wouldn't know. Like, so the origin of a Futakuchi Ona's second mouth is often linked to how little a woman may eat. In many stories, the soon-to-be Futakuchi Ona is the wife of a miser and therefore rarely eats, right? To counteract this, a second mouth mysteriously appears on the back of her head. The second mouth often mumbles spiteful and threatening things to the woman and also demands food. This is just when you're hangry. Yeah, I know, but except, if, and you also have like a mouth on the back of your head. Yeah. Relatable, both those things. Yeah, that's, I thought that was 
what happened when you got hangry. It, Andrea, do you have something to share? Only when about I'm the back hangry. of your head? <laughs> <laughs> Only when you're hangry. Okay. So the second mouth, yeah, like if it's not fed, it will like screech obscenely and cause the woman tremendous pain, right? Oh, good. Yeah, charming, right? Eventually, the woman's hair begins to move like serpents, allowing the mouth to use her hair as, like, tendrils to help itself to the woman's meals. Oh. So it uses her hair to steal her fucking food. What an asshole. So while no food passes through her normal lips, the mouth in the back of her head consumes twice what the other one would. In another story, the extra mouth is formed when a stingy woman is accidentally hit in the head by her husband's axe while he is chopping wood and the wound never heals, and then I guess turns into a mouth. Okay. So that might be where this is from. Other stories um, have the woman as a mother who lets her stepchild die of starvation while keeping her own offspring fed. Presumably, the spirit of the neglected child lodges themselves in the stepmother's or the surviving daughter's body to exact revenge. Okay. But here's the most famous and, like, prototypical story of Afuta Kuchiona. In a small village, there lived a stingy miser who, because he could not bear the expense of paying for food for a wife, lived entirely by himself. One day, he met a woman who did not eat anything, whom he immediately took for his wife. Of course. Because that wasn't suspicious to him at all. (laughs) (laughs) God. Because she never ate a thing and was still a hard worker, the old miser was extraordinarily thrilled with her. But on the other hand, he began to wonder why his stores of rice were steadily decreasing. Because people actually eat. Yeah, I know, right? Like, <laughs> probably more likely she just sneak in them. there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, to his horror, though, like, okay. So, one day, the man pretended to leave for work, but instead stayed behind to spy on his new wife. And, to his horror, he saw his wife's hair part on the back of her head, her skull split wide, revealing a gaping mouth. She unbound her hair, which reached out like tentacles to grasp the rice and shovel it into the hungry mouth. I see. Just raw? Yep. Gross. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe it wasn't raw. Maybe he kept cooked (laughs) rice back there. I have no idea what a rice store is because I've never I've never had rice stores myself. I should really get on that though. (laughs) Especially if the apocalypse is sneaking up on us. Yeah. So next one. Datsueba. Okay. Datsueba, which translates basically, like, literally, old woman who strips clothes. Okay. According to Japanese Buddhist folklore, when a child dies, their soul has to cross the Sanzu River. Traditionally, when a person dies, it is believed that they can cross the river at three different spots, depending on how they lived their lives. Since children have not accumulated enough experiences, however, they are unable to cross. Yeah, that sucks, eh? So, at the river's edge, the souls of deceased children are met by Datsueba. There, she strips children of their clothes and advises them to build a pile of pebbles, which uh, they can then climb in order to reach paradise, she says. But before the pile reaches any significant height, Datsueba and other underworld demons maliciously knock it down. So she just, like, tricked oh, these kids. Oh, that's evil. Yeah, yeah, she's not good. Um, the Buddhist uh, Bodhisattva... Um, Jizo. Yeah, that was hard. Yeah, I was like, this is... I have no idea how to pronounce that first. Right? So, um, this guy saves <laughs> these souls from having to pile stones eternally on the riverbank by hiding them in his robe. Now, this gets worse. When, okay. yeah, when the soul is that of an adult, Datsueba forces the sinners to take off their clothes, and the old man, Kaneo hangs these clothes on a riverside branch that bends to, refre- to uh, reflect the gravity of the sins, right? Mm-hmm. But if the sinner arrives with no clothes, 
Datsueba strips them of their skin. Ew. Yep. And okay. Yeah, so it gets worse for them. Various levels of punishment are performed even at this early stage. Datsueba breaks the fingers of those who steal, like just as one example. Yeah. And together with her old man consort, she will tie the heads of sinners to their own feet. Ugh, that sounds uncomfortable. Yeah, she's not really a charmer. <laughs> she seems like she'd be kind of a bummer to meet after yeah. death. They were like, oh, I already died and I'm kind of sad about it. Like, do I have to also be beheaded and stripped of my skin? Yeah. I'm attached to my skin. Rude. Oh, that was an accidental bad joke. Yeah, that's not. Dang it. Pun believable. Okay, well, that's just, like, actually just horrible in every way. But it's, like, so bad it loops back around into irony, so you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one is Konakijiji. The Konakijiji is said to be able to take the appearance of an old man or, even more creepily, a crying baby. In either case, the spirit lures an unwary passerby towards it and allows them to pick it up. After the spirit is picked up, it suddenly stops crying and becomes a heavy stone that crushes the victim to death. Jeez. Yep. In some versions of the Kanakijiji stories, the spirit is that of an infant who is left to die in the wilderness, right? So the Kanakijiji can be traced back to family records in Shikoku, where the term was used to describe an old man who sounded like a child when he cried. The term was eventually used in a national encyclopedia of yokai, and therefore became a nationally known phenomenon, so this was accepted. For, okay. Yeah. So the next one is Gaki. This one is a little... Yeah. You'll like it. Maybe. Okay. Gaki are spirits who live in horrible torment. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, I knew you'd like that. That's She's fun. like, horrible torment sounds <laughs> like her deal. I feel bad. So they're afflicted with constant suffering. They look vaguely human, but they have distended, bulging bellies and tiny, inefficient mouths and throats. They inhabit a parallel realm called Gakido. It's a barren place full of deserts, wastelands, and other inhospitable terrain, right? So Gaki are cursed to be eternally hungry and thirsty, Ugh. like hungry ghosts, right? Yeah. Yep. So there are many kinds of Gaki, each of which suffers in a different way related to the sins committed in a past life. So some are unable to eat or drink anything at all, and whenever they try to eat, the food instantly bursts into flames and vanishes. That would be frustrating. That would, I would be, be really frustrating. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd be so pissed. These gaki are only able to eat food which has been specially blessed for them in Buddhist services. Now, Andrea. Yes. Some gaki are able to eat only unclean things. Oh, good. Such as feces, vomit, corpses, and anything else you can picture, probably. Okay. Yeah, so that's pretty that's bad. acceptable. Oh, God. All that feces. <laughs> Others, Ew. right? Yeah, I think about that. Others have no trouble eating anything, so... That's luckily for them. That's great. However, no matter how much they consume, their hunger and thirst are never sated. Oh, okay. Right? Kind of reminds you of the... Um, Wendigo. Yeah, the Wendigo. Yeah. Yep. So in some Buddhist traditions, a special ceremony called Segaki is performed during the Obon season to help ease the suffering of these spirits. During the ceremony, offerings of rice and water are laid out on special altars out of sight of any statues of the gods or Buddha. The Gaki are called to come and eat while prayers are said to ease some of their pain. The realm of the Gaki is considered one of the four unhappy rebirths. So there's four, oh. apparently. Yep. In the cosmology of birth and rebirth, the realm of the Gaki is only one step above the realm of Jigoku. Um, the main difference between the inhabitants of Jigoku and the Gaki um, being that those in Jigoku are confined to their prison, whereas Gaki may roam freely as they suffer. Oh, that's nice. 
Yeah, lucky them. At least you can walk around. And find the feces. Yeah. That'd be sad. I'm glad that they have, like, a ceremony to help them not eat feces or starve. Yeah. I like yeah, that. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. So thank you, Buddhists. You're, you're doing good stuff. <laughs> so the last one, this one's kind of interesting. The uh, Mokumokuren. Uh, okay. Yeah, the Mokumokuren usually live in torn shoji, which are Japanese paper sliding walls. Although they can also be found in like tatami floor mats and like in any walls, really. Picture okay. like where we were running around in uh, in Fatal Frame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the name Mokumokuren literally translates to many eyes or continuous eyes. The Mokumokuren is often considered by Japanese people to be one of the traditional inhabitants of old haunted houses. And the only way to remove the spirit from the wall is to patch up the holes in it where all the eyes are. Of course. Yeah. So it's basically a bunch of eyes appear. Like there's just a bunch of yeah, eyes that'll appear on that. Yeah. Like, Ew, that's not good. Yeah. So there's a legend associated. Um, a stingy traveling merchant once tried to save money by sleeping in an abandoned house rather than sleeping in an inn. So walking in the middle of the night, he was confronted by an almost entire shoji screen staring down at him. Which they shouldn't oh. do. Yep. Instead of becoming scared, though, he removed the eyeballs from the screen and sold them to a local eye surgeon. Okay. Which is an interesting and way to would, react to that. It was fine? I don't know. Probably not Seems for... Seems like it wouldn't be fine with these ghosts. No. I mean, apparently they're kind of harmless, but they usually signify the presence of worse spirits oh, okay. that are nearby. Yep. So in another story, though... This gets bad. A traveler was determined to remain in the same house as a Mokumokuren, attempting to ignore it by wrapping the blanket he had been sleeping beneath tightly around his head. When he awoke, he discovered that his eyeballs had been removed and were nowhere to be found. Oh my god! Yep. Eyeball thieves. That's not good. Well, that shoji just needs more. I've got a lot of eyeballs, but you know what? But you can never have too many. No, they're like chips. <laughs> One is like never Pringles. enough. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, One eyeball's just not enough. You're welcome, Pringles, for the free eyeball plug. commercial. Yeah, for the yeah. free association of your product with eyeballs. Yeah, with eyeball mats and doors. Yep. You're welcome. You know, that's the thing. <laughs> if I was walking through a house and I went to like touch a sliding door and suddenly there were just a bunch of eyeballs oh, in it, gosh. I'd be like, um, I'm gonna leave. I think, like, Ugh. you know, it's a nice I place don't know. and all. But... I think that's worse than spiders. Um. <laughs> Maybe just a tiny bit. I'm not sure. Yeah, no. Yeah. Spiders are very up there. We'll hold a poll on Twitter because that's yeah. really the only way to know for sure about What's anything. What's worse? Spiders or disembodied eyeballs? Yeah. Tell well, us I mean, what you think. They're stuck in the screen, so they kind of have a body. Yeah. But it's there's not a, a lot one. of them. I'm picturing it. I can't stop. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, I saw a picture, which was cool. But <sighs> yeah, because it's like drawn in ancient it's stuff. Probably the way I am picturing it. I'll send it to you. Okay. You're welcome. Thanks. Actually, we should post this on Twitter just so you we guys should. can all enjoy it. Yes. You're okay, welcome. Okay, send me the picture and I'll post it. I will. So, you guys should email us your request and your personal eyeball stories to yeah. uh, scared siblings at gmail.com and uh, check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash siblings. And uh, for $1, you'll have a special vocal shout-out, and your name will be listed in the description of every episode. So for $1, it would really fucking help us. Yeah. Please. The $5. $1 a month, that's all. The $5, you get all that, plus um, bonus episodes every month. Yeah, which are good. My voice is going away. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, bye, Andrea's voice. <laughs> it's We're gone to join the eyeballs. we on Twitter. <laughs> At Too Scared Sibs Twitter. And Andrea's personal <laughs> is? Andrea Noel 3. 
That was a nice little squeak. She's just going through puberty, guys. It's fine. It's it's fine. Mine I'm fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's fine. <laughs> you just start sobbing. <laughs> um. Yeah. Mine is at toy carousels, and if you like unrelated political stuff, then you'll love it. You're yeah. Welcome. Yeah. Yay. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So now's the time when we give you a sneak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You ruined my smooch, Andrea. Sorry. That's okay. I'll try again. Okay. Mm-hmm. There. All right. <laughs> okay. Sleep well.